for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Okay, the Jacks wrap up the number one seed. USD's keeping Bob Young. The Vikings in an just an epic USD's loss. keeping Bob Young? Is Did that what you said? <laughs> can, Off to can, a good start. Can you tell we were talking about Bob Young right before we... Hit record. Yeah, USF still looking for a new football coach. Uh, the, the and Vi USD is not. The no. Vikings have a colossal epic loss after a colossal epic win. The uh, the the, go the Gophers. I don't know if you saw that. We probably won't talk much about it. But that was that was as rinky dink of football coaching as as I can imagine. I heard what happened. Yeah. And uh, I was I was watching because I am a, I am a well I'm a Husker fan. That means I am a masochist. And uh, the Huskers may have a new football coach before the next time we hit record on this podcast. So. A lot going on, especially at the Gateway Lounge. You had the Vikings and Cowboys, the late afternoon game, and then the Chiefs. This place was probably rocking on Sunday. I wouldn't know. I was at the uh, I was at the Vikings game. That will be a uh, an appearance in the Purple Palace. I'll never forget. <laughs> and uh, and then yesterday afternoon, a great excuse for a lot of American sports fans to uh, take off of work and come and drink and enjoy a sporting event with uh, the U.S. soccer team playing here yesterday. I know Dakota News Now came here and. Found it indeed to be the epicenter. So, in case you didn't know that, and you're looking, for, even if you don't love soccer, and you're looking for excuses at odd times to come and congregate, have some awesome food and drinks, this is the best place to do it. The Gateway Lounge, the uh, the home of the American Outlaws. Did you? I was working yesterday. Did you see? And do you have any interest in the uh, in the American Soccer World Cup participation? It's okay to say no. I was going to say, what do you think, John? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> the uh, look on your face. I mean, I was the, the gateway's that. been very good to us, so I don't want to uh, <laughs> discourage people from coming down here to watch no. the World Cup. Well, I have very little interest, but every time the World Cup comes around, about once per World Cup, I have an interest in coming to a sports bar just to do it, just for the fun of it, and uh, and weasel creep my way into that that world just for two hours to really care and invest myself and then be able to just totally discard it and it having no bearing on my life uh, after that. But um, It's football season. It's basketball season. I, I don't have – my head's full enough as it is. Yes, it is. So uh, let's – look, I, the, the, the Jacks get the number one seed, and that's great. Uh, the To me, of all the crazy, wild, mood-swingy things that happened in the last week since we talked, uh, USD keeping – uh, Bob Nielsen, and maybe that's not so outlandish of a thing. You know, may, maybe maybe that was an infatu uh, a creation and, uh, of our imagination and, and USD fans. Maybe it was never on David Herbster's mind to uh, to consider saying saying goodbye to Bob. But it still was not only interesting that that decision's been made, uh, but that it was announced just directly after they got throttled. I mean, that was not a good look for Bob or the program, the, what you and I did to them in the Dakota Dome on Saturday. So what was your reaction to not just the decision, but the, the method to announce it? Yeah, um, I was surprised because I had been told in pretty, not definitive terms, but I had been led to believe that a change was going to be made. And the sources I was hearing that from were the same people who told me Todd Lee was going to be fired. And, that, and I was told that before the Summer League Tournament last year. So it seemed like a pretty reliable source. 
Um, I don't know if, if David had been thinking, or Sheila G-String had been thinking that at one point and then changed her mind or what. Um, but I will say, if this was what you are going to do it all along, why did you wait until after the last... You, you could have nipped this in the bud at any time. You know, Bob had a year left on his contract. They're extending his contract, they're saying. Okay, well, and then Herbster gets up in his post-game press conference and kind of chides the media and his own fans for speculating about it. Like, you could have ended the speculation at any time by announcing an, ex an extension, you know. And also, you're not winning any games. So acting like, you know, it was damaging to the program. Losing is damaging to the program. And I'm not saying in any way that I was pushing for Bob to get fired or that I think they should have fired him or anything like that. Uh, I've, we've said on this podcast over and over again, we like Bob Nielsen. We think he's a good coach. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised uh, if they turn it around next year and have a good season, in part because they're going to have a much easier schedule. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily like, oh, my God, Dave, what are you doing? I can't believe you're bringing Bob Nielsen back. He's a good coach. Um, but I think when you look at how terrible that, that game went, I mean, it, it was just a complete disaster. Now, in hindsight, I wonder if maybe the reason they played so bad is because they'd already been told Bob had, was safe, and so they didn't feel motivated to try and go out and save his job or anything. I don't know. That's clearly speculation on my part. But it was certainly a bad look. And in defense of David Herbster and the USD administration, they didn't know that they were going to go out and play arguably the worst game they've ever played. Um, they had, but they had made up their mind, okay, after the game, we're going to make this announcement, thinking that maybe, you know, it would be a normal game, maybe they'd win, whatever. Then they go out and they're behind 42 to nothing in the essentially the first quarter. Um, so that just made it worse for the fans because they're watching that going, geez, I heard there were about 2,000 people in the stands at the Dakota Dome. It was just a brutal, what, brutal 40, performance. 42 nothing early second Early quarter. second quarter. Yeah, it was 49-7 at halftime. Obviously, 58-14 was the final. I mean, they just didn't show up. It was, it was a, a brutal game. Um, someone close to the program told me it was the single worst USD Coyotes game they've ever seen. Um, again, you, you, they had already made, it, made up their mind before that, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, like I said, it, to act like you weren't considering it, well, then you know, why didn't you announce the extension much earlier than this? To say that, you know, the speculation was unfair or whatever, you could have ended the speculation by signing them to an extension at any time. I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, I, like I said, I'm not sitting here saying USD should have fired Bob Nielsen, um, but I know uh, the reaction to the announcement was overwhelmingly negative. Um, that makes me feel bad for Bob, because um, obviously a lot of things happened this year that weren't his fault, You know, number one of which obviously was the offensive coordinator situation, number two of which was a, a brutal schedule that never really gave him much of a chance. Um, but it, that's tough when you're a program like that that's trying so hard to build momentum you're trying to, to engage your fan base. And, you know, David Herbster made, made mention of message boards in his post-game press conference, which I was really surprised that he would, he would make reference to that because you're kind of acknowledging that you read them. Well, I've read the USD message board too, and everyone wants Bob gone. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that David should, should do what the message board says. In fact, he absolutely should not. I'm just saying, you know, the reaction to this is, is, was not good. You know, USD fans were like, are you kidding me? What's going on? Now, that could be for a variety of reasons that aren't necessarily fair. Uh, as I've said many times, several of my closest friends are big USD fans. They were all upset. They were all disappointed. They, they were like, how can you bring this guy back after this? And I kind of tried to defend him, make a case. Like, well, here's why. You know, there's a lot of mitigating factors, and who are you going to get as a re his replacement, all, all these other things. Um, but it's, you know... It's a 
a very tenuous, I think, situation for USD football right now because there's just not a lot of momentum. And making that announcement when they did, and, and they didn't have a, you know, once they had dra drug their feet on it, I understand why Dave was like, oh, my God, that game was terrible. I just got to hurry up and get this over with and take whatever bullets I'm going to get. And he did. Um, but right now, you know, the, the mood among that fan base is not a positive one. And that's an additional thing uh, that Bob Nielsen, Dave Herbster, that department, that program as a whole is going to have to overcome. I, I wonder how recruiting is going to be. And I'm sure part of the announcement was for recruiting purposes because yep. – last game and you, you have to hit the ground running and some kids are signing by December, mid-December. Um, but I, I'm trying to think of a high school kid right now and, and try to find the appeal of, uh, of this, of going and playing football at mm -hmm. USD. What is the appeal? I, 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 I get, I, go ahead. And, and I'm not saying there's none. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. You're just, right now you're not going to win a recruiting battle with South Dakota State or North Dakota State. Right. Now not everyone can go to those two schools. Very true. Um, I still think there's plenty to attract a, a kid to play there. The facilities are good. They're in a great conference. they got some cool rivalries. You get to play indoors. That's you nice. You get to play indoors. Bob Nielsen is a very accomplished coach. He's coming off probably the worst year he's ever had, but it's not like the guy doesn't have a resume, doesn't know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And also, I, I've always thought the biggest thing that's appealing to go to a program that's coming off a bad year or trying to build momentum is the opportunity to build something, you know, to come in and make your mark. Uh, say, hey, we're not at the, we're at the bottom right now, but you can be the ones that that build the foundation and get this thing turned around and and build something, you know, to be proud of. Uh, and I'm 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 guessing that will be, if not the main message, one of the messages that USD USD's coaching staff will 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 put out there going forward. So I, I don't think it's necessarily that like, oh my God, no one would want to go to USD right now, because um, also we've talked about on this podcast. Instead of being so obsessed with the Jacks hmm. and trying to be better than them and what are the Jacks doing, like start by just getting up into the upper upper half of the conference. You know, SDSU's light years ahead of them right now. That's just a fact. I know USD fans don't want to hear that, and, the, and sometimes they try to rationalize, well, not, that's just a fact. You're not on their level right now. But are you telling me that you can't catch Southern Illinois, Youngstown State, Missouri State, these other programs, North Dakota. North Dakota's in the playoffs right now at 7-4. and four. Are they really that much better than USD? Mm. No, they're not. They only beat them in the Alaris Center by nine points a couple weeks ago. Well, and the other part is navigating your way through the Missouri Valley Football Conference. It, 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 it's tough. I get it. But Illinois State makes the playoffs every now and then. And Southern Illinois, and USD makes the playoffs every now and then, mm -hmm. but it's been twice in seven years. Yeah. And one year they needed they this. needed literally needed the Hail Mary to get in. Mm -hmm. You know, and the other year Chris Strebler was kind of I don't want to say a one man team, but I mean he was Oh yeah. Pretty clearly dragged them into that playoff yes. run. Yeah, yeah. You need yeah. Hail Mary and Chris Strebler. The one thing I'll say, and this is probably not gonna go over well with folks in Vermilion, because I hear a lot of times from from Coyote fans, like the talent's there. Oh no it isn't. On. No it's not. <laughs> it just isn't. Yeah. Um, that's not to say there aren't talented players on USD's roster. Like we just said, Chris Strebler was an amazing player. Uh, Jack Cochran's in the NFL right now. Cameron Klein's in the NFL right now. They've had plenty of great players. But the overall talent on that roster, the depth with, from USD compared to the Jacks or the Bison, uh, the strength and depth on the offensive and defensive lines, yeah. uh, at running back, some of those positions, I mean, it's not close. It's such a cliche, but it starts up front. It really Absolutely starts up front. And, and 
we've talked about this on the podcast for the last three years as SDSU has slowly and surely closed that gap with NDSU. Part of that has, most of that has been up front. It's, yes. been, it's been winning those battles. Seven, in the eight trenches. years ago, SDSU was basically where USD is right now. Even though they were getting to the playoffs every year, they were essentially a team that just just get to the playoffs, you know. They were talking about going to the national championship, and they came close a couple times, especially when they had Zach Zenner. But overall, you know, they were nowhere near the overall depth and talent that they are yeah. right now. You're and living to, and dying by skill, position, and big plays. Yes, and to their credit, they recognized where they were falling short, and they to, also, to their credit, they played the long game. They realized you're not going to fix this overnight. You know, you've got to invest in recruiting and not just trying to go out and get those big studs like you just mentioned. The, yeah, the Zach Zenners, the J Jake Winnikeys, Dallas Goddards. I mean, he was a walk-on. But, I mean, those guys, that's great. But most teams have a few great speci you know, specialists, some, some skill guys. Um, <clears throat> it was so obvious how North Dakota State physically dominated every opponent they had. And the reason that that has leveled off is because the Jacks have become every bit their equal on the offensive and defensive lines. And that doesn't just mean having five good O-linemen and four good D-linemen. It means having eight, oh. eight good O-linemen and ten good D-linemen. You know, this year's team, after last year, they graduated Xavier Ward and Tolu and uh, Crockett Kralikowski. And, you know, I was kind of like, geez, that D-line's probably going to take a step back, or at the very least they won't be able to play as big of a rotation as they did last year. Nope, they're actually better. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean to sneak the Vikings into this conversation, uh, they, have no, they don't apparently have any depth, especially on the lines. And after they lose Derisaw, to, in the, it's like, wow, you lose, you lose your left tackle and it's game over against a Cowboys team. the defense team. when it's playing without Daniel Hunter. Against the, yes, thing, against yeah. the Cowboys. Uh, and, and Nebraska as well. I mean, uh, I will, we'll, we'll get more into this a little bit later because I know you're at least somewhat, uh, I don't know, somewhat interested in, in what may happen there with their coaching situation. But Mickey Joseph's the interim coach. Maybe he's in the running, maybe he's not. But somebody asked him at his press conference today, we tape on Tuesday, they're playing Iowa on Friday. You know, what have you, what have you learned about being the head coach at Nebraska? That was generally the question. And he said that you have to learn how to adapt to play in the Big Ten. And I was like, oh, my God, finally. We're, we're, Nebraska's on its fourth head coach since it joined the Big Ten. And finally, uh, like, it dawns on a guy who's had the job for seven games. And probably isn't going to have that it is. beyond that. And, 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 of course, of what he means by that is it starts up front. Yes, you have to run the ball and be effective at running the ball. Nebraska's lost a lot of close games because they can't close out games because they just can't hand it off and keep getting first downs. They hand it off and punt. They give the other team a chance to score, and they do like Wisconsin did. And that's, that's, that's again, part of narrowing the gap and sealing the deal is having the ability to do that when you can actually get uh, SDSU or NDSU or a team like that on the ropes at some point mm -hmm. and, and be able to finish. And it, it that doesn't happen overnight. There's no real glitz and glam to it. You know, it, it, it there's not going to be one person on the defensive line or one person on the offensive line that's just going to come in there like Chris Strebler can as a quarterback and, and make a big difference. You have to have several guys like that, and I'm not the least bit. I, have, I haven't the faintest idea how that happens. or it, it, it feels like it happens really slowly and over time like it did at SDSU, and by slowly and over time, a few years, right? Yeah. And, um, but I in mean, the, you know, they brought in the right person in Jason Eck. You know, I think he was – like anyone can say, like, oh, yeah, we need to get better in the offensive and defensive lines. Like, that's not a secret. That's not some amazing insight. Yeah. you got to find the guy who can do it. Mm -hmm. and find the right people. Yeah. And I remember John Anderson telling me once, we were talking about offensive line play and recruiting offensive line players, and, and uh, John Anderson said to me, he's like, 
boy, it's tough right now recruiting offensive linemen in this region because Jason Eck gets whoever he wants. And I thought, well, that probably tells you why SDSU's gotten so much better yeah. up front in the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't always work out that an offensive line coach is a great offensive coordinator or mm -hmm. head coach, but, it, but when he is, that's, that's mm -hmm. awesome. That's really nice, and obviously that might be the biggest recruit that Bob Nielsen goes out and gets in the offseason is his offensive coordinator. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. His future hinges on it. And that. I've been told um, that they're going to, you know, not that they would ever rush a decision like that or, or wing it or whatever, but I've, I've been told that that decision is, is going to be very, you know, paramount, that they're looking at some, some high-level candidates. They're probably going to be, be willing to spend some money on a good coordinator, and possibly that person could even be the coach in waiting because what I wouldn't be, you know, I thought it was, I'm definitely speculating here, but I thought it was a little interesting that with this announcement, they didn't say, we have signed Bob Nielsen to a contract extension, you know, three years, whatever. Because remember, when the Jacks have announced Stig's last couple contract extensions, they've also announced the terms. You know, we've signed John to a, a contract extension through 2023, 2025, mm -hmm. whatever. USD just said, we're keeping him and we're going to sign him to a contract extension. Okay. Like, when? For how long? Because I kind of wonder if maybe, again, I fully expect USD to bounce back to a great degree next year. I don't know if they're going to get in the playoffs, but they're not going to go 3-8 and eight next year. I'll tell you that right now. Is the idea that they can come back, go 6-5, and 7-4, and 8-3, something like that, and then Bob retires, you know, and, and whoever they're bringing in as the offensive coordinator is potentially, uh, you know, the coach in waiting? I mean, again, I'm totally speculating on that. But it just the fact that they haven't announced an actual extension, they just said, we're going to sign him to an extension kind of makes me wonder what their long-term plan really is. I, uh, the folks on the inside, including David Herbster, have a better idea of how well-built and sturdy that program is than we do. They're, he's there, they're there day in, day Absolutely. out. I'm trying to see it, though, from the outside. When you're, uh, when five of your seven seasons are losing seasons, when your fans are losing faith in you, I, we, we did say before the season started, and we and we weren't, Nostradamus isn't saying it, this is a, this is a, ridiculous schedule to play Montana uh -huh. and uh, and North Dakota State, Kansas State, you know, a, a, an right. eight-win Big 12 team. They're, they could play for the Big 12 championship. I mean, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's ridiculous. And maybe the season. Illinois maybe, State, yeah. North Dakota, and Northern yeah. Iowa and been six and five. And how it looks is and how it looks matters too. Yeah. It, it looks really bad. So uh, we'll see, you know, what, what's what's really there and, uh, and, and the they're going to hitch their wagons to Bob Nielsen. He's 63. He's 29 and 34 at USD. 20 and 24 in the Mo Valley. That's a better record than I would figure he's had in the Mo Valley. Well, that's because they keep yeah. saddling him with these impossible non-conference schedules. Um, yeah. I mean, the the one thing we've learned in how they pick the playoff field is you don't get you don't benefit from doing that. Yeah. You know, USD should never again do what they did this year. Now, some of it was beyond their control, having uh, the Jackson Bison back to back right early in right. the conference schedule, but. You know, um, Kansas State, Montana, and it was it was tough. But I think the formula at this point is schedule your FBS game, get your paycheck. If you win that game, awesome. If you lose, it doesn't really hurt you. And then schedule two or three games that you know you're probably going to win. Whether it was ever a consideration to say goodbye to Bob and, and therefore his staff, I don't know. But at some point, they must have decided uh, where things things are going to look better for us or easier for us to recover if we keep him rather than trying to go out and find a new head coach and maybe dig this all up again. I don't know. And, yeah. and meanwhile, the Jackrabbits get the number one seed. Some were surprised. You had mentioned and uh, other people were predicting, oh, Sacramento State. I was surprised just based on what other people were saying 
you know, they thought I didn't think the Sacramento State deserved the number one, but all the like hero sports guys and all these people that cover the FCS right. were like, well, it's going to be Sac State, and they deserve it. I was like, they do? Okay. What were their reasons? Did you ever? They're undefeated. And the Jacks weren't. That's it. Well, I mean, but they 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 had an FBS win. Who was it? Who was it? Colorado State. <laughs> okay. Now they smoked them. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I mean. If Sac State got it, it's not like it w- would have been a travesty or anything, but yeah. I sure felt like, who's the best team? We all know who it is. Yeah. It doesn't mean the Jackson will win the national championship, but they're pretty clearly the number one team right now. And they play in a tougher league, right? Big Sky isn't a pushover, but yes. Yeah. And also, yeah, beating Colorado State 42-10, to 10, is that more impressive than losing to Iowa 7-3? to 3? I mean, probably. It's still a win, but I mean... I was a hell of a lot better. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I was seven and four. They just yeah. continue to show they, they whatever they know how to win games, and they have the best defense in the country. I yeah. mean, it, it now maybe or maybe all of us going, wow, this SDSU offense, boy, it can't. It's boys, it's struggling those first couple mm-hmm. of games. Well, they were playing against the number uh, statistically at least mm-hmm. the number one defense mm-hmm. in the nation yep. uh, in on their home field in game one. Uh, okay, uh, looking at the looking at the bracket, what do you see down the down the path? Well, if the the thing. Another reason we thought the Jacks might get the two was because everyone assumed NDSU was locked into the four, and we thought maybe they'd they'd move the Jacks just so they wouldn't have to play NDSU. Well, they gave NDSU the three, so the Jacks got the best of both worlds, sort of. They got the number one, and they're not on the same side of the bracket as NDSU. Now they're still on the same side of the bracket as Montana State, and they're a pretty damn good team, too. Some Jacks fans told me, oh, I'd rather play NDSU than Montana State at home. I was like, I wouldn't, Um, but fair enough. It's a... it's a pretty top-heavy bracket, as it should be, because we've talked about the FCS keeps losing its best teams year after year after year. So you got the Jackson Bison, you got Sac State and Montana State, and then after that, you know, Weber State, uh, Samford, Incarnate Word. Boy, it's it's hard to see Holy Cross. Are those teams actually you know national championship contenders? Boy, so so not making it to the semifinals. Uh, would be I can't see grotesque. I almost can't see any scenario where the Jacks don't kind of walk into the semifinals. And I hate saying things like that because it always feels like the kiss of death or whatever. But I, I just think they're just on that much higher of a level than most of the other teams they're going to face before then. Well, a rematch with the Bobcats at the Dana would be Absolutely. enticing. No, I'm saying those four teams at the top, I think, are all yeah. four capable of winning the national championship. Yeah. I just don't know if any other teams really truly are. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to a rematch with Montana State at the uh, – at the Dana, that could be that could be excellent. But did you watch any of the uh, college game day in Montana? Or yeah, 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 a lot of it. I actually. didn't get to see a second. I mean, How Jen and that? I were just there in December, so mm-hmm. we actually watched it together, and we're just kind of like, oh hey, remember that? Remember that? And I mean, that's a. I would if I had money, I would have gone, because you know the Jacks were off. I had a free weekend, which by the way, it was awesome to just sit and watch college football all day on Saturday. I've never really gotten a chance to do that. <laughs> that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it was fun to watch that. It's so beautiful up there, especially when it snows, when it's cold. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the time to be up there. Uh, so it brought back a lot of good memories. And uh, then I watched a lot of the Montana State-Montana game, thought it might be a great game. They just killed the Grizz, you know. Um, so, yeah, they look like a really good team. And uh, I watched some of NDSU-UND. Uh, again, that was a game where if North Dakota wins that game, maybe they get in the conversation for a seed. But the Bison had no trouble with them whatsoever. Uh, and, yeah, I watched the first half of that USD game, and, boy, it was, it was almost hard to look away. It was like, you know, driving past a car accident or something. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was that bad. Um, yeah, at that point, I'm just following everything on Twitter. I'm in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. We were at brunch with friends who don't watch football. 
<laughs> Gilbert and I are watching the Nebraska-Wisconsin game on our phone, being teased into thinking this might be the day, yep. all the way until the very end. Yeah. And then I'm looking at Twitter going, wow. I mean, there's, there are a lot of wows that day on uh, on Twitter for some of the things that were happening. And What's Nebraska now, 3-8? 3-8, and, eight? Uh, three and eight, yeah, yeah, with Iowa on the horizon. And expect, a, you know, about a 10-7 to seven Iowa win. I mean, yeah. that's, that's how Iowa wins all their games. Where's it going to be at? Iowa City. Yeah. So this yeah. is how Iowa wins all their games. This is how Nebraska loses all their games. And uh, I loved your uh, – because uh, we, we joke about USF's winners win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> losers lose. Yeah. Like, I've thrown that out there a few times. It's the same thing. It's, it it's, is, but, I mean, like no one ever says that. Yeah. And it's, it's probably even more true than winners win. It yeah. probably is more true. Well, this has been going on the entire Scott Frost era, and especially the last two years, is – it's not like Nebraska's getting her ass totally kicked in hardly any of these games. Right. I mean, yeah, Michigan's going to beat them by 30. That's supposed to happen. But uh, it, all these other ones, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern earlier this year, Purdue. I mean, these are all these are all literally down to the final minute games. But in each case, it feels like yeah, Nebraska's not going to win this. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't know how to win. Lo- oh, losers lose. Losers know how to lose. They literally do not know how to win. They never figured it out under Scott Frost. And unfortunately for Mickey this year, they beat Indiana and Rutgers early. And and uh, you know closed out a game against Rutgers, I guess. But yeah. other, I mean that's Rutgers. So um, I mean, I guess I guess we could talk about that. I because you got to see it climbing up, kind of up close a little bit uh, at North Dakota State. I have my uncle who lives in Lincoln, huge Husker fan, probably follows all the message boards and and tweets and all that stuff. And um, I, I want to I remind me of a message board thing I saw today, which was hilarious. But, you know, my uncle just, out of the blue, texted me today, first time I had heard or seen from him in a week, Chris Kleiman, what do you think? And I'm like, uh, he, of, of any realistic coach who I really think would take the Nebraska job, uh, he, he's my favorite. Not head and shoulders. Yeah. but um, Would he take it, though? I think if you look at the future of where college football is going uh, with the college football playoff, that perhaps in a stronger conference like the Big Ten, you might have a better chance with an eight and four, uh, nine and three, or ten and two team. That's not inconceivable within the next few years at Nebraska. That uh, and, and plus Nebraska's a one-team state. I, Kansas obviously isn't. I would I would think that also Nebraska is going to be able to pay more, if not a lot more, than Kansas State They does. are, but they're going to be able to pay more than Washington, too, and I don't think Kalen DeBoer is at, has any interest in leaving. I don't know you if know. Nebraska would pay a lot more than Washington, and, uh, you know, last year I thought they should have fired Frost, and, of course, I, 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 a little biased here, but I thought Kalen would have been the right hire, and I don't I don't feel any differently about that a year from now. They, they screwed the pooch on not getting rid of Frost. They just extended his futility uh, even after he was gone this year. It was obvious there were remains of him all over. Uh, Kalen DeBoer, and it, it, it wasn't and it wasn't a sexy name. If they had fired if they had fired Frost, there would be hardly any Husker fans who would want Kalen DeBoer because right. what was he? He was the head coach for two years at Fresno State. Right. So what? He was at USF. Who cares? It's interesting. A lot of Husker fans like Lance Leopold at Kansas, and part of his uh, gravitas is that he won six national titles at Division Three. He had a very similar record to Kalen, yeah. Uh, and he's got some connections. He's been in a Husker assistant a time or two in the past. Um, I kind of was under the impression he's the guy. Uh, I mean, everybody's been taking their turds being the guy for the last 10 weeks. But There's he been, seems like someone who would maybe take it. I mean, pro- uh, yeah, I think Kansas he would be some. Just, I, he's probably taking that as far as he can. Yeah, I mean, and remember, he started 5-0 and and he's ranked in the top 10. He loses his quarterback, which is kind of the Chris Strebler effect. Like, it, it was mm-hmm. kind of a program hinging on an, an, an amazing quarterback, lost him, and now they're 6-5. and five, But still, going from the worst Power 5 program in the country in a year to a bowl team, 
not not bad. People saw it. People know what's going on. Um, if you're Nebraska, I think you'd be awful happy if you could get it. I'd be fine. Right. Fine. I mean, none of, there's nobody who I'd even – at this point, there's no one who I'd be doing cartwheels over. Deion Sanders, but let's get real. He's If Deion Sanders goes to a Power 5 team, he's probably not going to go out of the South. Right. And he's not going to go to a place like Nebraska. Yeah, That's, I wouldn't think so. And I can circle back to Kleiman. That, I, don't, I don't know him that well. He's an Iowa native. He's spent a lot of time coaching in the Midwest. Uh, his style, uh, their style at NDSU that Craig Bull established, he worked under Craig Bull, a Nebraska guy. Kleiman's an age in his mid-50s that remembers the good old glory Nebraska teams, and there's probably more allure and appeal since he grew up close to that and seeing that that would make him late in his career at his hottest, strike while the iron's hot, uh, probably think to himself that maybe I can be the guy that not not necessarily restores them to full glory, oh, but I, I can. But he can coach them to respectability. I think he'd, I think he'd be a great hire. Yeah. I just don't know if he'd take it. I I I I, I don't know him I very had, well. well. You know, Kansas State fans were all pissed off, like, oh, we hired some Division two coach. Yeah, and I told anyone who would listen. I'm not trying to make it. I knew, like, it's just that obvious. Yeah, like, have you seen what's going on at North Dakota State? Do you know how good that program is? Yeah, he is not going to fail there. Right now. Nebraska, I think right now, because of what a dumpster fire that's become, I'm a little less certain in saying that, oh, I have no doubt Chris Kleiman will go there and win. I mean, right now, I think it'd be tough for anyone to go in there and win. Not going to argue if, with you. But if they're patient, um, I wouldn't at all be surprised if he did get it turned around. Like you said, he's from this region. If you can make it work in North Dakota State, um, and, and I don't mean make it work, but get them to the level they were, where there's, they're better than teams that are in the Big Ten, that are in the Big 12. Then you give that same coach the resources that Nebraska does have, I'd be okay. I, yeah, I am comfortable saying I would be surprised if Chris Kleiman didn't eventually uh, have some success there. Sure, and and part of what I love is it's his style at North Dakota State translates to Kansas State, where at Kansas now North Dakota State you have probably the best players in the country, the best assemblage of talent of any school, but plus they still preferred to play. Mostly, mostly ground and pound, play action, meat and potatoes. Yes, but and it's that, not and, just and that they brought in the best players. Their player development, their coaching. Yes, yeah. You know, that's Trey right. Lance was a, a number one draft pick, and the Gophers didn't want him to play quarterback. Mm -hmm. yeah. Carson Wentz was a number one draft pick. He, you know, no one wanted. I mean, no one in the FBS wanted him. Yeah. Look at how many Bison guys are in the NFL right now, and how many of them were relatively high draft picks. You know, it's yeah, they have a machine going on up there. It's a system that you know, sustains itself and builds on itself. But part of it is having really smart coaches who don't just, you know, have all these great resources, but mm -hmm. they're smart. They know how to find good players. They have an eye for talent, and then they know how to develop that talent. Right, and by the way, that's something Nebraska needs badly, sorely, sorely, their player yeah. development, their strength and conditioning. So to, place, to win in the Big 12, in a place like Kansas State, where you're in a conference against Texas, Oklahoma, the, just start with those two, and the immense talent that come from comes from Texas and wins get Tech, uh, even TC, TCU. I mean, they're a top five program right now, and they've been off and on a top five or ten program for a decade. Gary Patterson, by the way, if he got hired, he's 63. I don't care. I, I, Gary, I has be, he been I, kicked around as a name? Uh, yes, uh, kind of like in, kind of like in the lower underneath. The, if the, everyone turns us down, the, the, top, our the top guys, yeah. defensive genius, and uh, but going back to climbing, too, I figured to win it. I, I love the hire at K State because you're not going to, you're never going to out talent Kansas and OU and Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, be able to win five or six or seven games every year in the Big 12, make it to a Big 12 championship game, which KSU will do if they beat Kansas on Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, you, again, you have to more. 
uh, strength and conditioning, line of scrimmage, not fucking up, not, <laughs> not, not making dumbass decisions as coaching staffs or having players that are dumbasses. Recruit the right kind of smart, sharp. This is all boring stuff, but this is how Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa – Every Northwestern beat Nebraska almost every year. That's where Nebraska needs to start, is to is to stop being infatuated with having the kind of talent. Uh, it matters for sure, but uh, it, it didn't work with Mike Riley when he tried to go out and get skills, well, skill position superstars from the West Coast during this losing stretch that uh, yeah. have been ranked highly. Right. So who yeah. cares? It hasn't done anything for him. Yeah. So so play smart, discipline, nuts and bolts, meat and potatoes football because the last three Nebraska coaches haven't really tried to do. Maybe we should maybe, maybe we should try that this time. And Kleiman, to me, would be the best, most qualified guy. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, there's another one. Um, I, I don't know. It just kind of feels like it's all a group of mud right there with mm-hmm. Iowa State, Kansas State, and Kansas's coaches. Uh, you know, it seems like they're the right personality and the right style to at least get Nebraska back to sanity mm-hmm. and being able to beat the Wisconsin, Minnesotas, and Iowas of the world. But I don't know if any of them are truly rising above the others. The funny message board thing I saw uh, slash tweets of message board things. Uh, it was a, a booster, a, a booster at a barber shop. It's got to be Urban Meyer. Uh, Urban Meyer spotted uh, a plane from Columbus to Omaha on the on the on the airport tracker yesterday. Uh, the, Urban Meyer spotted at Millard Millard Lumber Company in Waverly, just outside of Lincoln. Uh, the janitor, a janitor, a jan- somebody who's uh, whose aunt is a janitor at the uh, football stadium. It's got to be Urban Meyer. Okay, I mean, Urban doesn't have a job right now, and there's a feeling that there's a lot of juice that's building that uh, that Trev Alberts is ready to name the head coach. He's handled the search perfectly. He's been able to keep most uh, high-level speculation to a minimum, and that this we're going to learn Nebraska's coach on Saturday. Well, it, it, if that's the case, then whoever's going to be Nebraska's next coach, and if that guy's been hired and decided, mm-hmm. uh, well, that coach isn't in a – and the announcement's coming Saturday. Well, that coach probably isn't in a conference championship game. So he's either on a team that's not making a conference championship game or he's out of coaching. So, no. And if it's Urban Meyer, I, I'd be thrilled, but I don't think there's any guarantee. Going he back would, to what he you would, said. He would win some games. Sure. The question is what would he do to your program? Yeah, you know? right. He comes with baggage. And then. <clears throat> and how long would he be there? And then some people some people still think it's going to be Mickey. Mickey's had the job all along. We'll see. I don't think so. It feels like everybody wants to, and the notion is that Trev is going to absolutely make the next head coach. Keep Mickey. He's a dynamite recruiter. And um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you've, you probably haven't seen any Mickey Joseph press conferences, but there's something unique that I would enjoy to continue watching. He's got a, he's got a flavor and a demeanor that, I've almost never seen from a head coach. He's shortened to the point, but he still has entertaining press conferences. Anyway, um, all right. So what were the thoughts going through your head as you were sitting and watching the Vikings? I didn't watch very much of it. Um, Jen and I were up in Brookings for the selection show. Uh, She came with me, took a few photos at the party. And then uh, afterwards, we went over to the B-dubs in Brookings to have lunch. And it was a 3 o'clock game. So the noon games were on. We were not really watching because we didn't care. And then the Vikings game was starting right when we were leaving. Um, so we listened to it on the radio. I think when we got home, it was 10-3 to 3 or 13-3. to 3, And I kind of had this feeling like, well, looks like they're probably going to lose today. You know, but not that surprising. You know, maybe a hangover coming off this big win. And 
Dallas is coming off a big loss. You know, not that big a deal if they lose this game. They got a huge lead in the North anyway. Um, so then at halftime, it's kind of like, well, whatever. I just wasn't that invested. And then the third quarter, all of a sudden, it's, you know, 27 to 3, 30 to 3, or whatever. I was like, well, this is a waste of my time. And I was just about to turn it off when CBS moved it to the Bengals game or something, which I don't think I've seen that happen before, but never that early in the game. And it was funny how. Um, no, I didn't see a single Vikings fan on social media or that I was texting with like, hey, why don't they turn the game? Like, everyone was like, oh, thank God for putting us out of our misery. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you were there. My brother was there, too. And that was actually my only reaction was like, I feel bad for Vikings fans. Like, I, I was relatively pleased with Kevin O'Connell's uh, post-game press conference in that he, you know, was like, yeah, we just played terrible. They totally dominated us, all that. I thought he said, for the most part, he said the right things. But I thought he forgot one thing. He should have apologized to the fans. When people pay as much money as you pay to go to an NFL game these days, especially people that travel a long way, mm -hmm. I think you owe your fans an apology when you shit the bed that bad. I w I'm not, like, mad at him, but I thought he should have opened his remarks with saying, like, I apologize to the people that yeah. paid money to watch yeah. that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> uh, I was one of them. I was in a group mm -hmm. of four people that did that. This was our big weekend. And I, I don't know what to say. I don't – I – it was, it was all house money to me. I'm not a heavily invested Vikings fan. I was hoping they would win that day. Uh, or entertain you. Yeah, you know. Well, thank you. Yeah, just yeah. a good, fun, entertaining game. Um, it, and, well, guess what? The stadium was just like Vikings Twitter was. It was just, it was just a morgue. It was a mm. library. And, the, and, and that means that, I, as far as I recall, now granted, I had a few drinks. I had, we had been enjoying ourselves. We went to a drag brunch earlier that day. I'd already at the drag brunch. I already knew. I've seen the most entertaining thing I'm going to see all day. I saw an awesome drag show. Uh, this football game is gravy. Whatever. I'm not kidding. <coughs> but the uh, uh, but immediately the football was like, okay. Uh, it was when Cousins fumbled the, on that the, first third down, first, it was kind of like, here we go. Oh, my God. Yeah. But then they only got a field goal out of that. And, and then, then the Vikings okay. drove down, and if yeah, they got a touchdown there, which yeah. they almost did. Right. I mean. But it was just one of those games. You could kind of tell, like, the Vikings are like, just gets if we score a it. touchdown here, maybe we'll play hard. Yeah. Oh, we got a field goal. I guess we're just going to give up. That's I, what it looked like. It, it, I, it just it couldn't. They, they offered no resistance whatsoever. And it got to be 23-3 at half, and I was starting to think, Okay, well, this is bad, but, I mean, still, the Cowboys aren't this good. And the Packers came back on them down yep. 14 last and week. Cousins has showed a knack for coming back. Vikings came down 17, and then the Cowboys came right out, escorted March down the field 30-3. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost at that point, I, I didn't I, – I, my husband's a Cowboys fan. He had been looking forward to this game immensely. He was enjoying the shit out of it. He was um, learning the players' names. Was, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell him he said that. You can that. tell him I said that. Uh, and, uh, you know, and he was one of the – there are a few Cowboys fans in our section. But it was quiet. Nobody was really ranting and raving and raging. Uh, not, not, after the, not after it was like 20-3 to 3 late in the first half. There, it was just kind of quiet, like, what are we – to the point Vikings like, fans have still, seen that movie before. Yeah, what are we still doing They here? knew when it was 13-3, basically. And, and, over, yeah. and by the time we got to mid-third quarter, I'm just kind of like, uh, you guys want to leave? I know we came all the way here. I know we paid all this money, but the uh, show's over, folks. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Gilbert didn't want to. He's a Cowboys fan. He mm -hmm, wanted to milk it. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of like, well, let's – there's still some people here. Let's, you know, let's get out of here and beat the traffic, beat the rush to the light rail and all that stuff. And then I thought, well – 
Yeah. And then when it was by the time it was too late, everybody it was a mass exodus for everybody by mm -hmm. the end of the third quarter. And I, I, I does it it shows the uh, it shows the lack of depth that the Vikings have that you can have a player like Darisaw injured. That screws up your whole offensive line, and you can't I mean, move He the wasn't ball. exactly kicking run. ass when he, he was in there. But, but it got so much worse. Yeah. That they should have taken no, Cousins had, out yeah. way sooner than they did. Yeah. I mean, I get it when there's a whole second half left. You want to feel like you still have a chance to come back. But you have another game in three days. Yeah. You know, get them out of there. Punt yeah. it. Take the loss. Even yeah. when it was like 20 to 3, I would have just been like, you know what? We're 8 and 1. Everyone else in our division has five losses. Yeah. We got a game in three days. And put the backups in, we're taking the L here. And that game is, I mean, it's New England. They're, New England is the Iowa of the NFL. They can't score. They have a good defense, so you're probably going to be in a close game with them, and it's going to be tough to move the ball. You better not turn it over. But this is still, it, it doesn't feel like, oh, this is just good. such a crushing avalanche of a defeat to your soul yeah. that they can't go on the road and beat New England. I thought it was at home. Is it? I think it's in Minneapolis. Oh, I thought it was in New England. I think it's in Minneapolis. Boy, we, sure. we're smart. Okay. Um, I'll race you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I think it's good for the Vikings. Uh, and you heard sure. you heard O'Connell and a couple players make reference to it after the game. Like, you know, maybe we were getting a little ahead of our skis. You know, you're eight. Everyone was kind of like, well, we're seven and one, but we're winning all these close games. Then they beat the Bills. And everyone's like, aha! See, we proved ourselves. We really yeah, are one yeah. of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. It was almost kind of like you could sort of see it coming. Yeah. Like, you need some comeuppance. You need to be put in your place a little bit. And I think they were. And given that, you know, the Eagles had lost, so they're still in the running for the top seed. I don't think they're going to get it, but they're still in the running for it. They're clearly still going to win the North. Um, I think it was good for them. I think they needed a yeah. you know, wake-up call, reality check, whatever cliche you want to use. Now they can hit the reset button and go, okay, we're good. We're a playoff team, but, you know, we got some shit to figure out if we're going to actually make a run. Uh, before it's all over, we're down to the last couple minutes. Jack Women. First win over a top 10 yeah. program. I mean, uh, you know, they, just when you think what, what's left for them to accomplish, th there's something else right there. And uh, They should move back into there. the top 25 after that, so that's a big win for them. How'd they do? What, and did Louisville look like a top 10 team? Was you, it Louisville was like number six a week ago. They beat Texas, and Texas is number three. Uh, so they're legit. Maya Sellen, I didn't watch the game. Maya Sellen had an enormous fourth quarter. Uh, Jax had a big lead, almost blew it but then dominated the fourth quarter. I mean, it was it was big boy basketball, big girl basketball, whatever you want to say. Um, it was not some fluke or, you know, like, they just went out there and played really well against a really good team and then held on at the end impressively. I mean, if Maya Sellen stays healthy, I don't think there's a limit to what this team can do. She's, she's a Macy Miller type in that it's not just the stats and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just her presence. You know you have a player on your team who's as good as anyone in the country and that as long as she's on the floor, you got a chance. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? I'm having two of them. Uh, we're going to, m to my dad's on Thanksgiving Day, and then some of Jen's family is coming on Saturday, and we're hosting for her uh, sister and, his, and her husband and Jen's grandma. You get a day, you get a day in between to recover. Yep. That's yep. nice. I, for the Thursday, I'm just a guest. On Saturday, I'm the host, the cook. I got to prepare the whole Thanksgiving dinner. So. You like doing that, though, don't you? I kind of do. Yeah, control, controlling, controlling everything. Yeah, controlling I did area. not take requests for uh, the meal. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will tell you what you're eating when you're so, having Thanksgiving okay. in my house. So what's on the menu? What all you? The do? basics: turkey, ham, corn, mashed potatoes. I suppose I'll have to come up with stuffing because I don't ever like stuffing, but I know that's 
kind of a standard. So yeah. I'll have to take care of that. Do you do any of those uh, green bean casserole? No. Nope. Cream of soup dishes? No. Nope. No? No. Nope. Uh, dessert? What's your dessert? Bacardi. <laughs> not kidding. Pumpkin pie guy, pecan pie guy. Uh, I think uh, Jen said that her sister's husband wanted to know if he could make a pie. And I was like, no, because I need my oven to make all the other shit. But you can buy a pie if you want and bring it. And then yeah. that can be your dessert because I can care less about pies. So. Yeah, right. I've always been a big pumpkin pie guy. But the older I get, the more I like pecan pie. You're not a pie guy at all? Not at all. Why not? You gotta I just, pie. I, I've never been a dessert guy. Like oh, okay. I eat as much of. The, I don't save room. The main course. That's yeah. what I'm there to eat. Like I'm eating as much of the. I I love Thanksgiving turkey, ham, potatoes so much. Like I'm the kind of guy who would buy a Thanksgiving turkey in June and <laughs> make it, just because. I'm like, surprised more people don't. I know. Everybody I, yeah. comes. Everybody rediscovers turkey this time of year. Yeah. The rest of the year, they don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Maybe it's because it's tough to. It's just it is a pain so in the ass, but uh, it's worth it. By the way, the Gateway opens up at six on Thursday, six p.m. on Thursday. So if you want to come watch the Vikings at Gateway, you sure can. Let them uh, cook the meal and have all the fun for you. And uh, Friday at ten a.m. Big screen outside. Uh, it's supposed to, you know, the temperatures are supposed to be decent here Thursday, Friday. Yeah. So uh, Gateway's gonna have the big screen on. So Husker fans, there Hawkeye isn't soccer fans, that day, is there? Probably. I'm guessing. How are they gonna? Bit. What are they gonna do when they have to choose between football and soccer? I think that's kind of the beauty of uh, a place like the Gateway Lounge. Is it'll be uh, both will be on multiple TVs and people will get to enjoy it all at once. That's part of the. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people here. Well. I I'm old. I guess there probably there probably are people who care about both the Vikings and the World Cup. So I shouldn't say. Well, so. if you are, I think there's yes, I think there's enough that'll be an awesome place to be here in Sioux Falls. All right, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. Gobble gobble. <laughs>